something which we have received from God remains permanently in us. We don't need anybody to teach us. But just as this anointing teaches you, that is giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things and is true and is not a lie. So don't believe people who say not everything is in the Bible. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you about all things. And the Holy Spirit will teach you not just about all things but will teach you the truth and not a lie. And just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him. Meaning there is a role that you and I have to play. Being rooted in him, knit to him, meaning united, attached to him. As we go on, you are going to understand what I'm talking about today because every person wants to have meaning and purpose in this life. We all want our lives to contain some form of glory, some form of satisfaction, some form of um, you, you know the kind of glory I'm talking about is where we feel fulfilled, where we feel we have achieved certain things. We desire a life that is more than a moment of success. Just here and there. But the question that is there for all of us is this. Where can I find that glory as I live in this life? Is it in money? Is it in pleasure? Is it in fame? Is it in success? Is it in people? Where is the glory? Where is the true satisfaction in this life? The truth of the matter is that we all want it. But how do we find true meaning and satisfaction in this life? It is widely believed that there are three things that every human being needs. Tell your neighbor three things. We all need these things in our lives. Number one, we all want to be significant. We all want to feel important. We all want to feel counted. We want to feel important. Every one of us needs to feel that his or her life counts. For something that's worth it. We all want to feel loved and appreciated. All that is under the need to feel significant. And number two. So number one, we said we all want significance. Number two. We all want, we all desire our needs to be met. But you can imagine there is a saying, needs never end, which is very true. Because if needs ever ended, there is no way Jesus was going to teach us to pray, give us today 
our daily bread. Meaning God doesn't just want to meet your needs today. He wants to meet your needs tomorrow. He wants to meet your needs next week, next month, next year, the many years to come, as long as you live. Because as long as you are on this earth, needs are always there. Significance and provision. We all want our needs to be provided for. We are talking about shelter, we're talking about food, we're talking about clothes, you know, those daily basic needs. So number one, we all need significance. And number two, we all need our needs to be what? To be met. Fed. Last but not the least, we all want to feel secure. I didn't move the table. We all want to feel we all want to feel secure. We all need security. Though we do certain things that put our lives in danger, but the truth of the matter is it is an infinite desire for every human being to feel safe. So we want to feel important, we want our needs to be met, and we want to make sure that we are secure. Imagine that. But then for many people, this kind of security we are talking about is only attached to the life in the now. But for us as believers, we are also looking at our internal security. There are people who are living as if this life is all there is. And that is why they are saving all they can. That is why they are building all they can. They are achieving all they can. Because they want to create and have a form of security in the world. Am I saying those things are bad? No. But all I'm saying is that for us as believers, we move beyond. Because we know that our security is beyond the life in the now. There is what we call eternal security. After you die, after you live this life, how secure is your soul? Now look at these three basic needs of every human being. Significance, provision, and security. Who gave us this? You will notice that all these desires were planted in man by God. But if we don't give ourselves to God, they can easily be manipulated by the devil. Haven't you read in your Bible that man has been placed above angels? So meaning God is the one who declared you significant even from the beginning. He says, let us make man in our own image. Imagine being created in the image of God. So that significance was planted in us by God. Haven't you noticed that even before man was created, whatever man needed was provided? So there was already a garden 
there was already animals, vegetables, and so much more. And man was just put in the garden. So it is not a sin to have needs. We just have to make sure that we check our needs against scripture. Because God is the one who gave us needs. And that is why you can imagine in the Lord's model of prayer, needs are mentioned. Give us today our daily bread. Other versions say, meet our needs, meet our daily needs. And if you come down in the book of Matthew chapter 6, around 27, 28, and there is something you will notice that your father knows that you need these things. And in verse 33, we are taught, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you need will be given to you. So God is interested in our needs. And according to my last point, God has planted in us the desire and the need to feel secure. And that is why he keeps on it keeps on emphasizing, I will not leave nor forsake you. I will be with you. Nothing will harm you. The same way I was with, with Moses, I will be with you. He's telling Joshua, why? God always wants us to feel secure. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. And even when Jesus was giving us the greatest commission in Matthew 28, verse 20. And from verse 19, we receive the commission in verse 20. It says, And lo and behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. In difficult times. You know, the end of the age is not the easiest. So God gave us these three basic needs. The need to feel significant the need for provision and also uh, the need for security. And God knows that we need them. But we also have to be very careful. This is where the devil will also attack us. Using the three basic needs of man. He's trying to manipulate the need for significance and is what we can actually call the pride of life. The pride of life does not come from God. The pride of life is a distortion of that significance that God has planted in us. And this is where instead of just rising cleanly and so much more, there are people who suppress others, there are people who manipulate others, you know, just to get promoted. There are people who actually uh, defame others. There are people who actually uh, use corruption and so much more. So the devil will attack you using the need for significance. The question is, is not significance. The question is, where are you getting your significance? And secondly, when we talk about our needs being met, this is where the devil will attack you. I've heard people say, I, I, I've tried to pray. Now, I think I have to take a person. I have to work it out. But whatever you work out without an outside God, is not of God. 
is not good success. You can achieve all that you want. You can have all that you want. But without an outside God, you will not be too satisfied. And number three, security. The, the, the security on earth is very much limited. Because even the best vehicles break down. Even the best, the best vehicles can fail you. The most expensive mode of transport. Even if you are to use a plane, it can crash. So security on earth is very much limited. You can be well guarded, but still death will catch up with you. There is only up to how far weapons can defend and guard you. I believe without foundation. We're going to go to our main scripture for today and I will share something that is going to help us. And Paul writes to the Colossians to say that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Now, two weeks ago I said there is a difference between self-help and self-sacrifice. To them, to us, to you and I, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are? These are outsiders, you and I. The moment we were outside Christ, when we were unsaved, we were Gentiles. Now to us, God has chosen to make known among us the glorious riches of this mystery. I've come to realize this is a mystery. And you can imagine God was teaching me something. I've been talking a lot about how you must be very careful with motivational speakers that tell you look with him. You see what I mean? Right? And I've explained. But today, on the other hand, if I tell you look within, your perception can change because you're not looking within to find solutions within yourself, but to find solutions from the one who is in you. So God has chosen to make known this mystery. Tell your neighbor it is a mystery. Now what is this mystery? Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. If you are born again, you have to know that you belong to the Lord. And there is a place where these things have to be appropriated in order for them to be appreciated. I'm going to explain. There is a place where this knowledge that we are receiving has to be appropriated in order for it to be appreciated. And now what's sad is that many believers are living their lives as if they are praying for something. 
that they are, you know, they, they are living their lives as if they are praying, begging God. Many believers are living their lives as if they are, they are trying to pay for something that has already been paid for. When the Bible says, trust God, it doesn't put it that way. The Bible says, trust God with all your heart. I, I do receive questions on a daily basis. I talk to a lot of people. Sometimes people just call you and they are there crying. Pastor, what haven't I done? Why is God doing this in my life? And sometimes I just give a listening ear. But let me tell you one thing. If we seek God with all our hearts, we will seek God and work in our lives. So many believers are failing to know what they have. And so, they have subscribed to a life of poverty that is, which is not even God's will for them. Beloved, all that we need is ours. So I want you to know what Jesus did when he died on the cross for you and I. It is my prayer that God will speak to us today. The title of our sermon is Jesus in you. In brackets, you can say Jesus in me. You can just personalize it. Jesus in me. Now, the common scripture, Matthew 6, verse 33, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Quickly, if you are to study your Bible, you will know that there, there are actually two kinds of kingdoms. There is a kingdom to come. And there is a kingdom within. Today I'm talking about the kingdom within. So when the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, meaning it agrees, scriptures don't contradict. Scriptures actually complement each other. Haven't you noticed that Paul at one time was teaching and he said, the solutions that you're looking for, the answer is there in you. In you. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus. So in that context, was talking about Jesus in us being the solution that is within us. There is a place where you need to look within for answers. Not to get answers from yourself but from the one in you. I'm not talking about the looking within that we are told by motivational speakers. I'm talking about the looking within that is mentioned in Colossians 1 verse 27. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, and many other scriptures in the word of God, once a person is saved, Christ dwells within them. So we have Jesus in us, and we are also in Christ. There is that communion that takes place. There is that relationship. So our position is one with such a glorious meaning. So in order for us to appreciate this, we need to acknowledge this. Number one, we need to remember who we were before before Christ. So there is BC that is life before Christ. We can as well say there is SC, life after Christ. What kind of people were we before we met Christ? We were strangers. We were estranged, meaning we were separated from God. So when God told Adam and Eve that the day you will eat of that fruit, you will die. He was not talking about natural death. He was talking about how they were going to be separated from God. Death in this context refers to separation. Separation. There was a great divide that was created because of sin. For sometimes it's not because God is far from us, but it is because we have we have embraced a life of sin and we have pushed God, God further away. Always remember this blessing of the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you are not seeing God in your life, look at your relationship. Focus on your relationship. How pure are you? The Bible is very clear. If you are not for and with Christ, you are definitely against Christ. He says, whoever is not for me is against me. So not only were we separated, we were also God's enemies. Anybody that is outside Jesus is an enemy of God. James 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. If you make yourself a friend of the world, you declare yourself an enemy of God. Now, in that state of being enemies of God, we were so evil. We did evil things. Things not pleasing to God. Sinful stuff. But now, when we encounter Jesus, His light 
exposes the magnitude of the darkness in our lives. Have you noticed that people that encountered God, there is a way their sin was exposed. When Jesus showed Peter the goodness of the Lord, instead of Peter appreciating Jesus and saying thank you for the fish, he looked at Jesus and he realized how sinful he was. He said, get away from me, I'm a sinner. In Isaiah 6, we are able to see that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You keep reading, you go down, you will notice that because of the splendor and the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man was exposed. Beloved, there is a place where the closer you are to God, the desire to sin naturally dies. It goes back to First John chapter 2. Where the Bible says, now look up, look up, look up, let's go to first John, where you have to follow this. First John chapter 2, where the Bible says, we don't need no one to teach. That's the meaning. The anointing is God's power available for us. The anointing is God empowering you and I. First John chapter 2, verse 17, the first scripture, verse 27. Rather, the first scripture we read. As for you, the anointing, the special gift which you received from him, and permanently remains in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you, but just as his anointing. you give you insights through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Experience is not the greatest teacher. The Holy Spirit is. Giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things. So there is a place where the Holy Spirit in you will tell you to pray. He will draw you closer to the Word. He will draw you closer to the thing that will draw you closer to So when we encounter Jesus, we then realize the magnitude of the darkness in our lives. But thank God, Jesus takes away the weight and he gives us something that is light, something that is easy to bear. And Christ in you, Christ in me, is the hope of glory. He takes away our hopelessness and gives us his hope. He takes away our sin. He makes us to become righteous. Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. But we need to look at something else. Look at who you have become. Number one, I said, you focus on who you were before Christ. But now look at what you have become now. I want us to read verse 26. I believe many times you've heard me say, I love to say this, beloved saints. Tell your neighbor you are a saint. These things I have written to you with preference to those who are trying to deceive you. Now let's go back to Colossians 1.26. Colossians 1.26. I think it's there. 
Colossians 1, yes. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations now has been revealed to his saints. A saint is someone who is holy. Someone who Jesus saved. Someone Jesus died for. Someone who has expressed faith in Jesus. If God calls you a saint in his word, who are you to call yourself a, a nobody? You are now a saint. We are saints. And not many people think this way, but this is what God and this is who God says we are. Now, because of this, you also have to look at the potential that you have. Let's quickly go to verse 28. Let's go to 28, the same scripture. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man, every man in all wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The potential that you and I have is that we may become perfect. Remember Jesus said, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, be perfect in this context does not mean uh, being, uh, does not mean being without weaknesses, not making mistakes, no. If you are to check, you would notice that the word perfect means growth, maturity. That we may be presented perfect, meaning when we get born again, being born again is not enough. I always say being born again is not enough. Being born again is not the end. There are many people who have gotten born again, but they have remained childish. And that's why you now understand Paul in Hebrews 5. He was saying, 5 verse 14, coming down, by now you ought to be teachers. So being born again is a doorway to a life of continuous growth and maturity in Christ. So the potential we have is that we may constantly grow. You and I have the potential to grow in Christ and become an expression of the character of God on earth. So now what we need to all realize is that God has a plan for our lives. We are not just on earth to pass time. We are not just on earth to go to school, get a degree, get a diploma, get a master's, maybe get married, get a job. If we get those things, maybe we make money, what next? What next? Material things are not supposed to be things that we put our faith in. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 7, the Bible says you came with nothing on earth and definitely you are going back with nothing. Meaning, these material things are for this world. You don't need a degree in heaven. You need a degree on earth. There are still opportunities that will require you. In order for you to be qualified, you need to have a degree. So a degree is for the earth. 
there are still things on earth that were required to have money in order for you to access them. So money is for this world. So don't allow worldly things to distort your perception of eternity. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So now the plan of God is this. Get me right. God never saved you and I to just get you into heaven. Just get you to heaven. No. Before you can get to that place, the place that we call heaven, before we can go to the new Jerusalem, before we can go to paradise, God has got work for us here on earth. And that is why, haven't you noticed, why I try to run away from the world? The Bible says, as it is, so we are. As it is where? In heaven. So we are here on earth. So meaning you and I have to become the very expression, the reality of heaven on earth. Now look at your life. Are you heaven on earth? Lord, come and see heaven on earth is passing through hell. My life is hell. Stop insulting God's presence. Lord, heaven on earth is going out with somebody's wife. Lord, heaven on earth is a liar. Now, how do we effectively do this? Remember the, the, the title of our sermon, Jesus in me. Galatians 4. Now, I want you to pay attention. And the Bible says, my little children, for whom I am again in the pains of labor, is writing to the Galatians. Do you know that ministry is, is, is labor? And that's why the Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Don't go there, you can just write it down. 1558, 1 Corinthians, it says, Be immovable. Steadfast is the Lord, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Working for God is labor because it's not easy. So now Paul is teaching, Paul is writing to the church. And he says, I am again in the pains of labor. Why was he laboring? Why do we continue to teach? Now let me tell you one thing. I've, I've had people ask me questions. Why do we have several services? And I've taught them one thing. A Sunday service is not enough for you to grow in Christ. Let me be honest with you. It's not enough. It's not enough. You can be in church today and people tomorrow they forget the sermon. Now imagine meeting once a week. Physically, you need to eat every day. Have you read in the book of Acts of the two? The Bible says, How often did they meet? But I think my version says daily. 
I don't know about your Bible, but my, my, my vision says daily. They meet daily. So now, I'm not saying we are going to be in church physically every day. But all I'm saying is a fellowship with God must be every day. You can be at your workplace. You're working while you're fellowshipping with God. Now, why is Paul laboring? He says, I am again in the pains of labor until Christ is completely and permanently formed within you. There is a place where you and I become spiritual memories and we are carrying Jesus on the inside of us, birthed by the Holy Spirit. And now, Jesus, for Jesus to until he is formed, this is present continuous. If you are to look at how Jesus is forming on the inside of you, the question is to what extent, what is the magnitude of Jesus, what is the quality, what is the quantity of Jesus forming in you? I know these things maybe are not quantifiable, but are you able to measure how Jesus is forming in you. Why are we always teaching? It's because we want Christ to be formed in you. The character of Christ to be formed in you. When you're exposed to the word of God, there are certain things that are flushed away. There are lies you have believed from the world that you forget about them. Haven't you realized that Paul didn't just write one letter, he kept on writing. You don't just need one sermon. You actually need more sermons. Because this human nature, this human nature is very stubborn. And this human nature is very fragile. You can be in church, you feel all heavenly and godly. You leave this place, you feel all worldly. And worldly. That's why you need to constantly fellowship with God. And that is why we labor continuously as pastors, day in and day out, week in and week out. I really feel for those that have just been exposed to, I came to declare and they are not taught the word of God. They keep saying, so shall it be and it's not being in their lives. And this is where many people are frustrated because they're just told, before the end of this year, I see you getting a job. It's all about material stuff. If I said God can't give you a job, no. He's given me a lot of them before. If I said God cannot give you money, no. God has given me a lot of it before. And he's still doing it now. But what's my point? It must be beyond this material world. Jesus has to form in us. I mean, the character of Jesus has to form in us. So we, we continue to labor so that Jesus may form, Jesus may grow in you. I, I, imagine God was teaching me there is such a thing as Jesus forming in you. 
And let's be honest, these are some of the things that we have not even been taught at the end of the Bible. And that's why Paul says, when I was young, I spoke and I reasoned as a child, but when I grew, I put away childish things. How does Jesus grow and form in us? I want us to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. I want you to follow me closely. There, there, there are three points we're going to get from there quickly and we'll be done. Maybe let's go back to verse 16 for the sake of context. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and to be spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self in dwelling your innermost being and personality. You can imagine there are many people that have gotten to embrace bad manners. In the name of this is my personality. Do you know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you to also change your personality? When you're in Christ, you're a new being. All things have gone away. All things have gone away. Behold, not some things, but all things have become. Including your personality, your language. Uh huh. Let's read verse 17. So that Christ. May dwell in your hearts through your face. Through your face. If I were you, I would already be taking notes. And may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. I'm already getting points there. Verse 18. Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints God's people. The width and the length, the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. I don't just want to experience God's love on the surface. You know, God is love. There, there, there is this saying, God is love. There is the love of God that is experienced by both believers and even a witch. But I want to experience the love of God that is deeper than that. I want to experience the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love. Experiencing that endless life. I don't just want to enjoy the rains that everybody enjoys. I don't just want to enjoy the sun that everybody enjoys. I want to come to a point where there, there, there is a kind of rain and the sun that I'm just enjoying that is different from what others are enjoying. How do you get that? Verse 19. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the will of God is not just for you to know God the way your pastor does. It's not just for you to keep saying, I stand in the shoes of my father. No, it's for you to personally and practically know him through personal experience. Amen. 
Not just for you to share your, your, your pastor's encounters. You know, there was a time my pastor um, was going through this. When are you going to give an example of the time you experienced God personally? Am I saying it's bad to share the experiences of other people? No. But we have to go beyond that. We have to go beyond that. There are people who talk about their spiritual fathers more than they talk about Jesus. Make up to no practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which first surpasses mere knowledge without experience. And that you may be filled throughout your being to all the fullness of God. To all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience. That is what I want to have the richest experience. The richest experience of God's presence in your lives. The greatest treasure in this world ever is the presence of God. Completely filled and flooded with God Himself. Huh? Completely what? Filled and flooded God in me. Now, quickly, let me give you three points. How do we have Jesus forming us according to the scripture? How do we have Jesus growing us? Number one, you need faith. You go back to this 17. You notice. Verse 17, 17. Let's go back, go back, go back. 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through your face. You cannot have Jesus form and grow in you without faith. The thing that gives you access to having Jesus, have access in your life, the number one thing is faith. I know we can all say we have been saved by grace. That is very true. But you've not understood the context of that scripture. Even grace cannot be experienced without faith. Let's go back to the previous chapter. Ephesians 2 verse 8 I said number one what do you need for Christ to form in you? Faith. Remember it is impossible to please God without faith. For everyone I think it must be on the program. Ephesians 2 verse 8 For everyone who comes to God must believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. If it's not there we can just find it. Ephesians 2 verse 8 Let me read it for you. Using the amplified Ephesians 2 verse 8. Maybe we skipped it. For it is by God's grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment. Look at that. Actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. Haven't you noticed it is by grace that you have been saved through so many people just say it is by grace it is by grace but in the equation of grace there is faith Titus 2 verse 11 the Bible says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all has appeared to all Moses saw 
the promised land, but it never entered. So there is a difference between something appearing and you experiencing it. John 3 verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved part of the world or the whole world. He loved the whole world. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Meaning anybody who does not believe, even if there is grace, they will still perish. Whoever believes, meaning faith, is what will qualify you to have access to the grace of God. So, Jesus cannot form in us without faith. And that is why even whenever you're talking about life, please, avoid complaining so much more than you express confessions that show you have faith in God. Faith pleases God. Complaining offends God. Faith pleases God. Complaining offends God. And that's what the Bible says, if you have faith as it was mustard seed, you will move mountains. Faith in God is what you need. So what is faith and how does this faith come? Now in simple terms, faith is trusting in God. Faith is loyalty to God. I can just give you those two definitions for today. Faith is trusting in God and faith is loyalty to God. How does this faith come about? We have to believe in God. Romans 10, verse 17. And now this will take us to point number two. So faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So now what we are able to see is that firstly you will need to have faith. Then secondly you, for Christ to form in you we need to take in God's word. Remember when Peter was preaching there were many people but not everybody accepted the word. Even Jesus he preached to many people but not everybody got saved. So in order for them to have Jesus forming them, they had to believe the word. That's number one faith. But then number two, in order for Jesus to form in us, we need to take in the word of God. Do you remember we need to eat the word? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of by the word of God. So number one, you need faith, and number two, you need the word. The word of God comes to supplement and complement your faith. The word of God comes to grow your faith. There are many scriptures we can quote in that regard. Let me give you a few of them. Psalms 119 verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. The desire to sin, the desire to live right, both come from within. Did we skip the scriptures or? Okay. Psalm 119 verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That is what Psalm 111. Psalm 119 verse 11. So there is a place where 
you can live a life that is pleasing to God by giving yourself to the word, eating the word. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to speak, you want to have a godly language or speech, you need to take in the word of God. The same chapter, 119, you can just go back three verses backwards. Verse 9, the Bible says, How can a young person live pure? It's by living according to the word. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So how does Jesus form in us? We need to allow the word of God to take root in our lives. I want us to read Colossians 3 verse 16. Which talks about allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you. Like the word of God should not be strange to you. The word of God should find its home within you. Dwelling in your heart and mind. Permeating. That word permeate means to penetrate every aspect of your being. As you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another. Now, before we can even talk about how we need to teach each other, how we need to sing spiritual songs, we first have to allow the word to dwell in us. If the word indwells you, godly and powerful sermons will not be a problem. If the word indwells you, spiritual songs, powerful songs that Draw men to God will not be a problem. They will be, you know, it's like out of thy belly shall flow. Streams of living water. So it comes from within. But the question is, what have you taken in? Because what you, what you take in determines what comes out. Let's read Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, Timothy. Very, very common scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, Timothy says, he answered, the scriptures say, bread alone will not satisfy. But true life is found in every word, which constantly goes forth from God's mouth. Not which once a week, but constantly. Meaning consistently. How does Jesus form in us? We need to take in the word. And that's why Jeremiah was able to say Jeremiah 15 verse 16 if not mistaken. He said, when I found your word, I ate them. And that's why Job was able to say, I have taken and treated your word more than my necessary food. And that is why in John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus was saying, the words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. There is something about feeding on God's word that helps us to have that Jesus consciousness forming us even more. 
The word of God contains God's will and plan. And the word of God is key to us succeeding the way of God. The word of God grants us victory over temptations. The word of God will grant us the wisdom that we need in every area of our lives. Now, thirdly, how does Jesus grow and form in us? I want us to read Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19 again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. We've talked about faith. And may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. Now, be fully capable of comprehending before the saints, God's people, the width, the length, and the height, the depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. Verse 19. He's talking about love, 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 love. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love, the love, the love of Christ, which far surpasses may acknowledge without experience that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now, our third and last point. It may be last, but definitely it's not the least. Now, let me help you today. When we say last but not the least, you know what that means. It means it may be the last point, but it's not it's not the least, it's not the, it's not less important compared maybe to point number one and two. I hope you understand that. Right? So it's not it's not just a slogan, no, last but not the least. I've, I've heard people say last but not the least ten times. Only <laughs> last but not the least, but I come off the nine years. So last but not the least means in no particular order. If you want, you can say point number one, we need love. Point number two, we need the word. Point number three, we need, you, you know. So in no particular order, they are all important. We need faith, we need the word. And number three, love. Now, this love is definitely twofold. Love for God and love for God's creation. Love for the creator and love for the creation. You know, that is how God gave me the sermon and I literally hate God giving me points and he says, how do people claim they love me without love? First John chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says God is whoever does not love does not know God. You cannot know God outside love. How do you love God and help people? We are not going to preach Christianity that promotes revenge, that promotes hate. There are many plastic believers that we have out there, for lack of better terms, who talk to God and they don't talk to, talk to people. If you are a member of this church, We don't encourage such. In as much as we are going to talk about toxic relationships, we are not going to promote enmity. You can still detach, but still remain friendly. And if you are to read your Bible, you will notice that Jesus was not a friend of sinners. He was actually friendly. There is a difference between 
being a friend and being friendly. So, we need to develop what I call God's love, consciousness and expression. Where we acknowledge God loves us. Where we choose to love him back and we also love his creation. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. For if we are in Christ, Christ is in us, not so. We are in Christ and Jesus is in us. For if we are in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith that is activated and expressed and working through love. So meaning, love is what activates faith. The expression of love is what shows how much faith you have. You can say you have faith to move mountains, but without love, it is nothing. Some people are people that are full of hate. People that are full of love, even when things are not okay. It is not what is happening around them that matters, but the presence of God within. Our love for God will motivate us to love God's people. Our love for God will motivate us to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. We cannot say we love God and we don't love what God loves. What are some of the things that God loves? Psalm, is it Psalm 113, 133, where the Bible says, it is a pleasant thing, it pleases God for brethren to dwell in unity. Meaning, imagine how God loves unity and fellowship, and you hate it. God loves unity, God loves fellowship. God loves to hear us pray to him. You will pray. You will seek me. You will find me. I will answer you. God loves it when we give and share. You can imagine. He actually changed his mind to never at any point wipe the whole world because of an offering. Imagine after Solomon gave and the Lord appeared to him. What do you want me to give you? Because he was pleased. Those are just a few, 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 few examples. So we need to begin to love what God loves. What does God hate? The Bible says he does, it does not please God if people die in sin. So we should feel bad when people are living a sinful life. And that will motivate us to preach the gospel to them, to pray for them, and wish them well. What does God hate? God love. Hate sin. He hates sin. Okay? God, in Proverbs we are told there, there, there are about six or seven things that God hates. Pride, those things, you know. So we need to begin to hate what God hates. So Jesus is not just with me. 
Jesus is not just for me. Jesus is in me. If you are to look at Emmanuel, okay, Alinafe, Alinaswe, which means Morunganinaise. If you are to study the scriptures, you will notice that Emmanuel has got two meanings. I don't know if you have noticed that in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Emmanuel means God with us. Because God was around them. God was with them. But in the New Testament, God, it means God in us. So God is not just with us. God is in us. Remember Jesus is the greatest. First John chapter 4 verse 4. The Bible says, greater is he. Not that he's with you. But that he's in you. God tells Joshua in the Old Testament, the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. But you'll notice, if you read your, your, the New Testament, very well you will notice that it's not talking mostly about with, with, it's talking about Jesus in, 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 in you. The narrative has changed. Because in the past, we were dealing with a God who was a bit further. He was not, he was just closer to us in terms of vicinity around us. But in Christ, we are dealing with a God who is in us. So the significance will only be found when we agree with what God says about us. We are not ordinary people. We have life and solutions from within. I want to urge us to do the following. We need to trust God. And if we trust God, God will never fail us. God will never put us to shame. We need to also follow and obey Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will never misguide us. Jesus will never leave nor forsake us. We need to love him. Why do we need to love God? He will never disappoint us. You can love human beings and they can never love you back. But you can never love God and God disappoints you. So go ahead and study Colossians chapter 1. Look, look at the riches, the mystery of the riches that God has in store for us. Look at Ephesians 1 from 3 to 4. Where the Bible says God has given us every spiritual blessing. Where? The Bible says in Christ. So God knows who we are. And God knows what we need. Because he knew us before we were born. He had plans for us before we were born. So God is not going to demand anything of us that he has not already given or empowered us with. So we need to learn to rely on the power of Christ in us. Tell your neighbor you are loved. Tell your neighbor you are loved. Tell them your life matters. You have Jesus in you. 
you have hope in you. You have Jesus in you. You have victory in you. Why does Jesus emphasize in Matthew 11? You can say to this mountain. Meaning, throughout, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you are saying things agree with Jesus within. The power is coming from within. Salvation is the greatest blessing. If you are saved, you are blessed. Someone here may be living in defeat without, uh, you know, you are born again, but you are experiencing what seems to be defeat. But let me tell you one thing. When you are saved, you are safe. Doesn't matter what you are going through now. God loves you, He is there for you. It doesn't matter how hard things may be now. Now that you're born again, Jesus is in you. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. But then, even though God has a purpose for you, that purpose may demand that you go through the valley. The valley is a dry place. The valley is a hard place. We must not think that all God's blessings are only found in good things. Sometimes God's blessings will, will make us go through rough seasons and moments of life. Maybe you are here, you feel you have felt God in a purpose. I want to encourage you, I want to remind you that Peter missed that so many times. Reaching the point of denying Jesus three times. But look at the impact that Peter made. Your mistakes do not define you. But you know one thing about Peter, what the Bible records after he denied Jesus, he went to confess and he repented. God can use you regardless of your past mistakes. And lastly, maybe there is someone who has who has been wandering in life. You are not saved. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus. Jesus cannot be in you if you have not expressed your faith in him. Maybe because you have kept the door of your heart locked. Jesus keeps on knocking on the door of your heart. I want us to be upstanding. Via
Wisdom from within, power from within, the power to overcome temptations, the power to overcome every challenge that comes my way. The hunger from within, the hunger for prayer, the hunger for your word. Nothing will kill it, nothing will take it away. I declare greatness from within. I declare power from within. I declare wisdom. I declare knowledge from within. I declare growth maturity from within. Prosperity from within. Whatever is hidden on the inside of me, may you begin to unlock and manifest now. May you begin to unlock and manifest now. Jesus in me is the hope for this world. Jesus in me is the solution to this world. Jesus in me is the light in the darker. Jesus in me is everything that I need. Jesus is in me will give me the significance that I'm looking for. Jesus in me will meet all my needs. Jesus in me will give me the security both now and in the life to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's my prayer that you will be able to experience Jesus. Maybe on a bus, maybe not make in your home, in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the classroom, in your room. May the presence of Jesus be real and tangible in your life. Where there is sickness, may you experience the healing. experience God's release. Where you feel stuck and where you are lacking, may you experience God's provision. Jesus in us is the hope that we need.
Father, for what you have done today. We have been enlightened. Our perception about life has changed. We shall not keep pursuing outside what we have within. The more we seek you is the more this life will have meaning. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen and amen.